The episode of I Think Therefore I Fan you're about to listen to discusses the following works, Castaway, 2001, A Space Odyssey, Russian Doll, The Plague, Better Call Saul, Ozark, Evil Genius, and The Legend of Cocaine Island. You've been warned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Think, Therefore I Fan, a pop culture and philosophy podcast. On this podcast, we'll explore the most compelling philosophical themes as we find them in all of everyone's favorite fandoms. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Richard Green. And I'm Dr. Rachel Robison Green. Thanks for joining us. Welcome. So, this is the last episode of season five, right? Our, our 40th episode, which is a, a nice little milestone. People don't normally celebrate the 40th of anything. I, I don't know why. 40, 40 seems big to me. <laughs> um, you know, it's a multiple of five. It's a multiple of eight. It's, it's, a, it's great to have done 40 of these. So, we'll, we'll post on our webpage, um, I think, thereforeifan.com, when we'll be back, um, but we're planning the next season just to start when it sort of normally would, kind of late in the summer and going through the fall and culminating with the horror show episodes mm-hmm. um, like we've done the last couple of years. Um, so we've talked about a lot of different things this season, um, but we've not yet talked about the thing that is on everybody's mind and has in basically come to dominate everybody's life. Yeah, coronavirus. Coronavirus. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, a number of philosophical issues are raised um, by the coronavirus, that the fact of the virus that we're living now the way that we're living, that our daily lives have changed and all that. So we want to want to hit a handful of them. And, and first, I thought it'd be nice to start... Um, you won't say this, so I won't. You had a really great article come out this week. Um, last week, actually. Or last yeah. week, yeah, talking about um, you know certain issues um, pertaining. So um, maybe we can get onto that. So the, the the topic, our first topic then is American exceptionalism. No. No. American exceptionism, right? <laughs> that that great tradition that we find where many Americans feel like they can make exceptions of themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? Something we're saying is moral um, consequences, right? It, 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 lots of things bear on this. So why don't you give us a little... Well, first I was going to say, I think it's... You called it American, that the American um, tendency to make an exception of yourself. And I think... Uh, it's it, probably not just an American tendency. It's a prob- probably a human tendency, but it might be um, more likely to occur in places that ha- that are really individualistic, mm-hmm. right? Where where they tend to focus on collectives, 
groups, like more communitarian organizations uh, more strongly. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, let me let me say this, though. If I hadn't said American, my joke wouldn't have worked. Oh, right. okay. So it's the, the American exceptionalism. <laughs> but I think there's something to that. Um, yeah, yeah. We're a massively individualistic consumer culture, so people are sick of not being able to go out and do exactly what they want, exactly when they want to do it, mm-hmm. with exactly who they want to do it with. Right, right. Um, yeah, so so I, I think that this this situation provides an uh, interesting moment to think about the uh, moral concept of universalization. So even if you're not uh, a Kantian, you, universalization might be an element of his philosophy that you think is um, worth thinking about and adopting. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to kind of just repeat what you just said, but I really want to highlight it. Um, you and I are both considerably more sympathetic to both the virtue theory um, and consequentialism. Uh-huh. And this is the one area as I was reading your article where I'm thinking, yeah, Kant, Kant's getting something right here, right? Yeah. This is, uh-huh. this is the, the insight, maybe not the whole package, but, but this insight is really working. And this is a great case to sort of bring that out. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't just get it in Kant. You get it in lots of philosophers. Um, you get it in uh, Jean-Paul Sartre's um, uh, essay, uh, or lecture actually, uh, Existentialism is a Humanism, where he's talking about, um, he's talking about choices as endorsements, and that when you make a choice, what you're essentially doing is recommending that course of action, right? You're representing it as being in some sense good, and so you're saying, that other people in circumstances like yours um, would be justified in performing the same action. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, that's in his kind of account of responsibility. Um, but Kant uses it in a discussion of right action, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, act only on that maxim that you can will to be universalized. So act only for that reason that you could you could rationally will everyone else to act on as well Mm -hmm. and so i mean this is a pretty straightforward case that uh, these people who are going out and violating quarantine are relying on the idea that not everyone is doing it. right right you know yeah when i teach kant i always like to say that i imagine kant's mom telling him when he was a little kid what if everybody did that and then (laughs) kant just kind of like going Whoa. <laughs> but this is a great example. What if everybody did that? It, it's bad enough that some people are doing it. Right. And if everybody did it, you know. And so the, the some people who are going out and doing whatever they want, despite um, the fact that they're supposed to be staying at home, are also like going, look, I'm out and about and nothing's happening. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so failing to realize that, well, yeah, it's because you're making an exception of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and just as an aside, you don't know that nothing's happening. Right. Oh, right? Yeah. So that's. That's related to this other um, idea that I talk about in the paper, which is the idea of moral luck. Right. Um, right. So uh, if you're not familiar with this concept, uh, let me just illustrate by way of example. So imagine that two people go out to a bar, they drive there in their own, each in their own respective cars, and they get really intoxicated. And then both of these people decide to get back in their own respective cars and drive home really intoxicated. Um, and so one person on the way home encounters a pedestrian, hits and kills that pedestrian. The other uh, makes it safely home without encountering a pedestrian. What do we want to say? Do we want to say that the person who struck the pedestrian did something worse mm-hmm. than the other person? Presumably not. Presumably what happened is the person who uh, 
the person who struck the pedestrian had a had some bad luck, moral luck, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and but we, when we're evaluating their actions, they both did a bad thing, right? Right. Right. Uh, right. Uh, so the the other one was just lucky that no, that nothing happened, and so I think that's very applicable to our situation here. That uh, you know you may go to a party and you may interact with lots of people and not contract right. the virus, but uh, first of all, you're being really reckless because of the fact that people who people can have it that are asymptomatic and they can pass it. Mm -hmm. um, and so you wouldn't even know. Uh, it's, it's like, you know, to, to bring it back to our analogy about striking the pedestrian, it's like striking a pedestrian not even knowing you struck a pedestrian. You right, know? right. So you're being really reckless. Yeah, when, when this all started up, um, you know, the, the sort of big story in the news pertaining to this was all the people going to spring break type activities, right? Mm -hmm. So they're hitting the beaches and, you know, and most of the people there didn't get it. Mm -hmm. But there are these maps that show the, the spread of it. So collectively mm -hmm. as a group, mm -hmm. those people did quite a bit of damage. Yeah. Um, so even if you yourself didn't spread it, you're doing something just as morally wrong as the person who does end up spreading it. Right, right, right. And um, yeah, and we don't, we don't have a different assessment mm -hmm. for the spreaders, right? Unless we're a certain kind of really hardcore consequentialist. Mm -hmm. Um, but that seems almost completely divorced from, from morality at that point, right? I mean, if you're looking at behaviors. Yeah. I mean, I think that we can make a distinction between what a, what a, a good or a bad action is and, um, our assessment of the moral character of the person who performed it too. Right. Mm -hmm. So even if you're a consequentialist, you may say this action had this consequences and this had that, but when you're evaluating, the character of the person who who chose to go out, uh, despite the fact that doing so is reckless, uh, you're going to come to the same judgment in both cases. Right. Um, thanks for that, by the way. I, up until today, I thought moral luck was just, oh, I'm lucky that I'm moral. And, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> and, and, and you're unlucky that you're not. Um, no, you didn't. Yeah, I know. You're, you're very moral. And, and my cred's not so... What? <laughs> not so good. All right. There are also issues in environmental ethics that are worth talking about here. Actually, worth worth having serious discussion about as a as a culture. Mm -hmm. um, so, identifying the origin um, of the virus is. I mean, we're still in the early days. That's th that might be difficult, um, and that's nowhere near my wheelhouse in terms of what I do for a living. So, I don't want to say too much about. Although I read a thing from um, you know one of the persons at the CDC and. They said, you know, if, if we're thinking of this in terms of a baseball game, we're, we're coming on the end of the second inning, right? Mm -hmm. it, their, yeah. their take seems to be, we're into it. Or They quoted Churchill's famous line about, well, yeah, we're not getting to the end, but we're at the end of the beginning. Yeah, okay. That's, 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 that's good, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I don't want to... I, time marches on. We'll, yeah, we'll get there eventually. It, it'll crossed. be 10 years from now before we know what hit us. <laughs> Uh, so I mean I don't want to I don't want to make too bold pronouncements about the source of the virus, but uh, I can I'll say something about what right now as of this recording people are saying is the source of the virus. Now some people are have got crazy conspiracy theories about the source of the virus, um, but there's an ecology to this whole thing, right? And and it has to do with human actions, right? So human actions, human beings. Um, one of the things that's led to species extinction in mass is the fact that we 
um, transport things from one place to another, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and in a way, obviously, it's good that we do this, right? It's part of the ways in which we've developed culture and 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 interesting new you know medicines or uh, other elements of technology is from visiting other places and moving things back and forth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but. That's also lead to, led to massive species extinction. So whether it's that we're bringing invasive species into a place where it, it wasn't before and then it causes other species to become extinct um, or, or that kind of thing or other ways in which this can happen um, are moving things back and forth causes uh, unforeseen consequences, right? Um, so... Early in, in the early days of the virus, the even earlier days, I guess I should say, there was the idea was floating around that this the virus originally came from a bat. Mm -hmm. And uh, I and I think that's still floating around, right? It, the experts aren't saying it, but lots of people still think it. And yeah, you, you hear it repeated. Right. That's and... well. I think that's because a a strain of it was found in bats, but an even closer strain. Uh, was found in pangolins. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you don't know what a pangolin is, I didn't until last year um, when I was doing some research for, for something else. Um, a pangolin is the only mammal with scales. Um, and, and so uh, there are uh, indigenous populations who believe that the scales have some kind of magical properties. And actually, it's not just local indigenous populations that have pangolins near them. There are people around the world who believe in the kind of mystic medicinal properties of pangolin scales. And they believe they do all sorts of things, including like I saw an article um, from the early 1900s where this phenomenon phenomenon was being described. And it was that, that using a pangolin scale, like in your tea could help cure hysteria in a woman. Oh, wow. <laughs> right? Like, okay. Um, but well, anyway. Well, I'm glad I keep my pangolin scales in one drawer and my crystals in another. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't want them to have, to cro have cross effects. Yeah. yeah fairies uh, will die or something. So I, um, but, so this is where their thinking is coming from now, or mm -hmm. as of this recording. Um, pangolins. Uh, so what, pangolins are an endangered species. What the heck were we even doing with pangolins? Well, um, they're, you know, it's, it's illegal to um, poach pangolins, but it nevertheless is done. And they get brought to these wet markets. Mm -hmm. um, and, and where a wet market is uh, a place where um, animals are uh, corralled and you can purchase body parts of animals and they're slaughtered right there. They're really filthy, disgusting places. Mm -hmm. um, and so I obviously there are all sorts of questions related to environmental ethics about whether we should be doing this kind of stuff at all, right? Should we be treating the whole, the whole of the natural world, but non-human animals in particular, as if they are things to be bartered and sold by us uh, and, and slaughtered for their parts, right? Mm -hmm. um, especially given that we don't know what the consequences are going to be. So, you know, when, when, when beings live in their natural environments, uh, they, they develop... Um, they, they, they have immunities to, to certain illnesses, right? Illnesses affect different creatures differently. Right. Um, and so when we start moving them from those natural habitats, then, uh, again, there are unforeseen consequences. And some of those unforeseen consequences can be the spread of really serious diseases to creatures who have not developed immunities. Mm -hmm. And so when we, when we move this too, you might think, oh, the human cost is 
severe, and it is. We're seeing that right now. But um, you, we, we also potentially risk spreading these kinds of diseases to creatures who have no say in the matter, right? Mm-hmm. To non-human animals. Right, right. Um, so uh, serious philosophical questions to be taken up there about how we should view our orientation to the natural world. Right, yeah, agreed. There's um, some you know, environmental good news on the other side mm-hmm. of this. If you're doing oh, yeah. a consequentialist mm-hmm. analysis, not that anybody would trade the loss of life for this, but one good side effect of this mm-hmm. has been that you know, air quality is improving all over the place and mm-hmm. um, people are reporting seeing jellyfish in the canals in Venice. And I know. I saw, oh, that was a, wild. Yeah. Although you know, when, when this first happened, they were reporting seeing dolphins in there, but that was just... An internet hoax, and there. Oh, really? Yeah, there, there were in fact now, but but the jellyfish thing is coming from credible news. Sources I saw it and, on CNN, and yeah, I saw a yeah. picture of it. So, and yeah. it's legit. So, um, you know that that if this goes on for a very long time, um, it, it's going to be bad for lots of people and hard. And, um, you know, we, we don't want to minimize that, but there will be one upshot: is that you know what. The earth is cleaning itself yeah. a little bit through this. I mean, maybe it will help. That's just obvious. I mean, right? It's mm-hmm. Just looking around, it's obvious that the air isn't as polluted. Yeah. Um, um, here in Utah, we we get pretty bad air pollution. Yeah, I was going to say, we live in a place that has these horrible inversions. Uh-huh. And when that happens, um, all the emissions you know, from the, the power plants as well as the cars just sit there for days and days. Mm-hmm. And there's these beautiful mountains you know, a quarter mile from our house that sometimes we can barely see. Mm-hmm. And we've had the inversion, but we haven't had the traffic. Mm-hmm. And so we haven't had that phenomenon of, yeah. of the really poor air quality. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping when I, you know, when I say you could just look around and see it, I'm hoping that maybe it will have the effect of convincing at least, I'm not, I'm not crazy here. <laughs> it's not going to convince everybody, but it could... It, it, it convinced at least some climate change skeptics mm-hmm. that human action really does have a significant impact on climate. Yeah. Tying this in with our previous segment, wouldn't it be ironic if the only people that, that were sort of aware of how beautiful things are outside are the ones that keep going outside when they shouldn't? <laughs> yeah. And yet it, it, it changed them. It's like, oh, we have to be better to the environment. I'm, well, okay. Uh, I, I can see the mountains today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, but I it's okay to go there. outside. It's just not okay to be around people. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah don't, but don't, right, right. Don't gather in large groups and so forth. And um, I'm just going to say we've got you know certain special listeners. Um, there are certain of my students who listen to this podcast, and you know who you are. And I see you on social media, posting your yourselves at other people's houses and having a great old time, calling it quarantining. And mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's only quarantining if you're with the other people the whole time and you don't go out and as, yeah. if, as if you live with them. So um, we have our eyes on you. We like you guys. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, let's turn to our third topic as thinking of the coronavirus as an instance of pop culture, right? So um, there, there's a lot to say here about existentialism and mm-hmm. existentialist mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. There's topics of isolation, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's isolated. I mean, a million television shows and movies about this, right? People trapped out in the middle of nowhere and, you know, castaway type things. Um, 
And that's, Absurdity and meaninglessness. Yeah, and, and that stuff too, but just quickly on isolation. Um, one of my takeaways is those movies, I think sort of, you know, like what you see in 2001 and so forth, um, present this, this sort of image of what isolation is like that doesn't quite capture the real quality of it. There's this, this joke kind of going around, right? A, a series of internet memes where people say, you know, here's what I thought the apocalypse was going to look like. And then they're all there in their Mad Max clothing and mm -hmm. they got mohawks and leather jackets and broadswords and stuff. Mm -hmm. But instead, you know, the reality turned out to be a whole lot of people in their pajamas. <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've been to, you know, five or six Zoom meetings in the last few weeks. And, um, you know, from the top up, it's a dress shirt. And from the bottom down, I wear scrubs or sweats or, hmm. or something. And so it's, it's been interesting to sort of juxtapose what that's like. I mean, in one sense, um, there's a level of frustration um, with it. And maybe it has to do with the way that we're isolated. But it's, it's a lot more familiar than I would have thought. Mm -hmm. um, life this is a really weird time and part of what's weird about it is how normal it seems right it doesn't feel normal but it's a it's a it's a weirdness of of the mundane right mm -hmm. the, the, the everyday mm -hmm. the, the regular and so forth so um, yeah, I just wanted to sort of highlight that, but um, we wanted to talk about the absurd well just bit. directly related I mean so just that it, one of the things that makes it so familiar is that every day is the same. Now, let me just add a little caveat. Obviously, there are essential workers out there for whom every day is not the same. There, right. there are people out there who are, and thank you to those people who are doing really important work, grocery store employees, mm -hmm. obviously medical staff and folks like that. Thank you, truck drivers, yeah. people who are yeah. <laughs> bringing stuff to Doing us. things, necessary jobs that make the world continue to function in these circumstances so right along those lines can we also just say we're, we're doing this here um from utah where you know we're in a county that's um has you know a, a significant number of people that have it but our reality is not the same reality as somebody say living in new york city right, right? Oh, not so at all. Yeah. And, and we don't want to sound like we're supposing yeah. yeah. So maybe projecting out our our re and, and and we're in a good circumstance where we have all of the basic necessities, food and clean drinking water are readily available. Um, we're not irritating each other, at least not too much, I hope. Mm -hmm. um, and there's three of us, you know, so we've we've got it good uh, and, and are grateful for that um, and recognize that other people don't have it quite so good. Right, right. Okay. So, so, so the things that we're saying about, um, you know, absurdity and isolation and stuff. Some of you will relate to others who are in those other groups, maybe not so much. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but but I, I was I was thinking about um, the myth of Sisyphus, which we've talked about a lot on this podcast. But um, gets used by lots of philosophers, but Camus in particular. So Sisyphus is doomed by the gods to roll a rock up to the top of a mountain, uh, and then once he's successfully completed that, the roll the the boulder just rolls right back down and Sisyphus has to do this over and over and over again for eternity and um, in his essay The Myth of Sisyphus Camus compares the human condition to this so he's got this great line that I don't have 
uh, in front of me right now, but he says Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, always according to the same yeah, yeah. general path, right? Um, it, it's, it's, it's not that unlike Sisyphus's task, uh, where it, it starts to just all seem a little meaningless, a little empty. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Right. A, lot of, a lot of redundancy, not just in the way that you've described it, but we find ourselves having the same conversations at the same time. So we were, we were sitting down to breakfast the other day, and we were talking, and you pointed out, it's like, we've had this conversation the last several mornings oh, at this time. <laughs> yep, when we always, oh, every morning we have a, this is weird conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like part of the routine. Yeah. Now it's time to say this is weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so um, it reminds me kind of of um, the first episodes of Russian Doll, right? The Groundhog Day kind of effect. Uh-huh. So, oh, so, yeah. So you remember she wakes up, she's in, um, or comes to, she's in a bathroom at a party. She goes out and then all the people are having the same conversations yeah. in this uh-huh. kitchen that bears a sort of striking similarity to our kitchen uh-huh. and that you know that that there's this layout with an island uh-huh. and so forth and yeah we just kind of wander down and um at the same time almost daily you take the dog out and i put on the tea and yeah know, right uh it, and uh, as soon as i wake up this is probably not healthy as soon as i wake up pick up my cell phone check the numbers yeah. coronavirus numbers and i wait we wake up at roughly the same time every single morning mm-hmm. so it's been yeah except for those mornings where i wake up at three well oh, that's <laughs> but, true yeah but we so i don't know you lose track of the day of the week and it is yes it's it's very existential yeah and then on top of that the, the world i think is doing what it can mm-hmm. to add to the absurdity right so mm-hmm. one of the things that that's been driving both of us nuts um, we, we don't find ourselves watching very much um, network television, but sometimes we'll put on, you know, something like HGTV just to have shows on. And there are these commercials that mm-hmm. are that are just ridiculous. They all look the same. It's a, you know, a Lowe's commercial or a um, Delta Airlines commercial. It's just, mm-hmm. We're all in there together. And I think they've hired the same actors and they have the, <laughs> the same music. It's just and, almost, yeah, they're almost just carbon copies of one yeah. another and it's really condescending and insulting it's yeah like, don't forget when you get your money back and you can spend again we love you yeah I know. And, and and we know what you're going through is like if you want to tell me you know what i'm going through and make me feel better feel free but then don't follow it up with a and by the way <laughs> hammers are on sale for 2.99 yeah. Yeah, through next thursday it's um yeah, it's the, the opportunistic nature, right? And I some mean, of the, the ones that are just so out of touch, like, you can still buy a car right now. You know, we'll drive it to you. Like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I got a text from the, the people that sold me my last car, right? The dealership mm-hmm. yeah. saying, now's a great time to get a new car. Um, and I'm thinking, why? I, yeah, I can't yeah. go anywhere, right? My car will be six months old before I drive it anywhere other than the supermarket. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, so, you know, there's something familiar about that aspect of absurdity, right? Yeah. Um, advertisers are still going to try to sell you stuff. And, and it's, it's, they seem like they're putting forward this meaningful sentiment, and it's really just empty. Yeah. Right? It's, it's really just a way to sell cars or a way to sell hammers. And, yeah, I, I, you know, um, 
so it's not it's, it's not surprising that there are existential themes um, in a in a tragedy. Uh, I mean, most of existentialist literature is exploring that kind of thing. I, right? I wish one of the great existentialists had written something directly about what we're going through. Oh, the plague. The I, plague. It, I, right now is either a really good time or a really bad time to revisit the plague. I actually picked I know, you, it up. You pulled it out and I I read thought, like the first three uh, pages and I was like, I was going to try to get it done before this podcast and then I was like... And you read oh. it before, right? So, yeah, yeah. But just yeah. to revisit, it was like, oh mm-hmm. man, it's it hitting a little too close to home perhaps. <laughs> okay, we have one final topic we want to raise and that is stoicism. Yeah, there are some lessons from Stoicism that are useful here, or just maybe one primary lesson that we'll share to conclude yeah. um, this discussion, because some of the stuff we've said has been doom and gloom. Um, but if, if you're interested in reading some philosophy uh, right now to help you, to, to make you feel a little bit better, you might want to turn to the Stoics, because they really emphasize this idea of um, understanding what is and what is not under your control. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it'll be a familiar theme to people. I know this is certainly true of me, that you spend a lot of time wondering what people are thinking about you, or um, you spend a lot of time um, fe- feeling anxiety or fear about what the world's going to bring, mm-hmm. right? Um, so Stoicism, a lot, a lot of the work of the ancient Stoics emphasizes focusing on what's under your control, mm-hmm. right? So we we can't... Uh, many of us who, who aren't in the business of developing vaccines and things like that can't do anything other than stay at home and stop the spread about mm-hmm. the fact that the virus is out there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also, this, I, I'm sure that many of you, if you're anything like me, are frustrated when you're seeing people out there protesting the shutdown and, and they're, they're not wearing masks, they're mingling together. Or b- people, we just went on a bike ride the other day while social distancing, and we passed a house that was throwing a, clearly throwing a big house party. Cars right? up and down the street, uh, and, uh, people it, all over the lawn. It was unbelievable. Um, but the Stoics emphasize you can't uh, control other people either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you shouldn't give them too much power over your own your mental state right Right, and so you can't you can't change what's happening in the external environment you can't change what's happening what other people are doing what you do have control over is yourself yeah and Um, your reactions right so uh i think i that's a useful message i think yeah and then i'll just add to that and this isn't a stoic message but try to eat right Get lots of sleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Take take care of yourself in the most immediate ways. It it does a world of good. I want to. Oh, that was a good place to end, but I'm going to tag something on. Nevertheless, um, I I I think uh, it's also important to add the caveat to that stoic message that it, it it that might seem like it's coming from kind of a privileged place. It can be very easy to say, uh, don't worry about what other people are doing and don't worry about the external environment. Um, just focus on what you can control. That can be easy to say if you are living in a safe area, in a stable situation, right? right. I mean, so um, lots of people, including um, Peter Singer, uh, have been pointing out recently that, um, well, the coronavirus is going to affect people in the United States very differently from the way it's going to affect people in developing nations. And the shutdown of the economy or the 
Yeah, I mean, essentially, the the, the serious rollback um, of, of the economy is going to affect developing nations differently than it's going to affect, uh, particularly those developing nations that don't have strong safety nets. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to affect them much worse. And so we might actually see people in developing nations dying of poverty, dying of famine, right, <laughs> essentially. Um, so those people rightly worry about the external world, right? Uh, they rightly worry about where their next meal is coming from and if there's going to be a next meal. Right, right. So stoic advice is only applicable so far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good. And, and I just want to say you fixed it. And you're now wondering what I'm talking about. What's that? Well, you know how we started the episode by talking about deontology? Uh-huh. We concluded with Singer, right? A good okay, utilitarian. There you go. There you go. So, yeah. Um, you know, Some people balance. have forgotten about the comp part by now. <laughs> and, and we're back in the good graces of the utilitarian world. Okay, Rates, what are we liking this week? Well, uh, not very much. It's been a kind of busy time. We're just wrapping up the semester. Yeah, lots of projects getting finished and um, tons of grading and, and those sorts mm -hmm. of things. Um, moving everything to a, a virtual format has been fairly time-consuming. Mm -hmm. um, but we've got a few things on our list, right? So the um, season finale, and I think it's the penultimate season, uh, Better Call Saul um, mm -hmm. aired this week. And, um, really good episode. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating stuff. Again, don't want to spoil too much about it, um, but it's it's getting on the you know timeline closer, um, very close to the beginning of Breaking Bad. It'll be interesting to sort of see how they transition into that and out of um, out of this show. Um, season three of Ozark um, wound up great. Actually, a lot of parallels between that and Better Call Saul, right? Um, Certain um, ancillary characters um, mm -hmm. bear a, a sort of striking resemblance to those in, in the other show. Um, and then we just started watching Evil Genius, which is how old? Probably three or four years old at this point? Or oh, I don't think it's that old. Maybe a, maybe a year or two. Yeah. Not, not brand new. Um, but really, really great. Um, I'm surprised I waited that long. I usually watch true crime things the second they hit Netflix, but... Yeah, and then um, on the recommendation of somebody, we watched um, the Legend of Cocaine Island, and, and that was a lot of fun. Um, but oh yeah, it's it's better if you watch that before um, Tiger King than after, because it's it's got some things in common, but it's nowhere near as good. Or not, yeah, not quite as outrageous. <laughs> yeah, although pretty outrageous. Yeah, pretty right? outrageous. Yeah, true true life story. Um, again, people in the south part of the United States and. Um, drugs and craziness are involved. So, yeah, pretty short list. Um, but when we come back um, with season six, um, we will have had several months to binge watch everything that can be binge watched. <laughs> okay, Rach, that's a wrap. Another episode is in the can, and once again, everything has come up Charbonneau. Please visit our webpage, that's I think ifan.com, all one word, to find out about upcoming episodes. If you would like to support I Think Therefore I Fan, please go to the webpage, click on the link at the top of the page that says Donate, and follow the instructions. As always, your support is greatly appreciated.
Finally, if you enjoy this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating. It helps. See you next time. Thank you.